In a world of downloadable and streaming singles, our hope with this podcast is to look a little deeper into what influences musicians and see the impact an album, as opposed to a single, can have on an artist's work. This is The Sound Effect.
So we're today going to unwrap a band that was has almost been on this show twice uh, because it was almost a pick by uh, Kitchener's The Tree Phones uh, as well uh, last year. Um, and it's an album that for me, well, it's a band that for me I never really kind of got into, but every cool musician I knew was kind of into. So um, from New Hope, Pennsylvania, it is Gene and Dean Ween. Uh, so of the band Ween, also known as Aaron Freeman and Mickey Meldiondo. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly. Um, irreverent, highly eclectic, and as far as I was always concerned, just plain weird. <laughs> they were just a weird band who I didn't kind of get into because I, I wasn't kind of, that just wasn't my, my kind of game plan for music. Um but we're looking today at their album from that released June 24th, 1997, The Mollusk. What's uh where are you at with uh what was your what was your background with Ween? ween. I'll tell I know exactly what my background was with Ween. I was reading an article cuz I remember I'd seen one of their early videos. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Well, this is weird." And I happened to read an article where they were being interviewed. And at this time, Beck's Loser had been out for a while and was a big hit. And I remember them, they said they were sitting down with, at the labels. It's, they were signed. They were like, yeah. when you listen to this, you're like, these guys were on a major label. Yeah. Well, <laughs> these guys made it to the top 40 at one point during that major, <laughs> which is just mind blowing to me now. Yeah. But go ahead. Sorry. That's all good. And I, they said they sat down and the Mr. Record Man just looked at them and said, Beck. And they went, okay, we understand. Can we right. go make our record now? Yeah. And so that, to me, kind of just set me off. Like, ugh, I wasn't into Mellow Go. I actually hated Loser. I'm like, You this- have said that before? Yes. yes you yeah. have. Yeah. I was not a Beck fan at this time. I, I would pick it up, as we've said on a couple our two Beck, Beck yes, episodes. Two Beck I have now, yeah. been in and out of Beck over the years. At this mm-hmm. time, I was not on board. I looked at him as just a one-hit wonder. I someone who just did a weird song and everyone thought it was cool and I, I didn't think he was that talented. Um, so, yeah, I kind of set them aside. So, fast forward 30 years later. Although, um, to, to backtrack a little bit there, mm-hmm. to your point, I think at that time when we both are being introduced to Ween, um, I mean, they're hitting, they're hitting it with uh, Push the Little Daisies, which yeah. was... That that song was big, like that. Yeah, I would hear that at clubs. That was a a popular song, and it was a it was a weird irreverent era for that type of music, right? Whether it was like you said, Beck, the Flaming Lips, uh, with you know, uh, she don't use jelly, mm. or whether it was um, like King Missile with Detachable Penis. I mean, it was a time when. They were like, yeah, strange. Apparently, sells the whole surfer well, even, right? Well, there was something there, yeah, right? And also, like, look at the time period. It was the holy crap. We have no idea what's going on. This little band out of Seattle has all of a sudden put changed music and put it on its ear. 
all of a sudden Guns N' Roses is, isn't sellable. Like all of a sudden Warrant isn't selling. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like what? Warrant aren't cool. Sign every- Cinderella aren't cool. Sign everything. Sign Tool. Sign Beck. Yeah. Sign whatever. Yeah. And sign these soul- butthole surfer guys. Yeah. yeah sign yeah. butthole surfer. Apparently the guys from Ministry think they're cool. <laughs> yeah. So, so sign all of this, and they just I think Ween just got caught up in this, I think and you're as right, most yeah. bands did, a lot of bands yep. did, and they, and some survived. Like you, you know, and uh, you still have Ministry out there. You still have uh, Butthole Surfers are legendary. Well, you know? and, and, and this band we're talking about today is still, still around. Still toured. I mean, they broke up a few years ago, but they're still. And I mean, and they genuinely are appreciated. I think like the Flaming Lips appreciated yes. by their fans. for yeah, what fl- they another do, Flaming right? Lips. Flaming Lips still around, still yeah. making great music. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, again, I got into them a little more over the years, but yeah, no, Ween just was something I just set aside and was I'm fine not knowing much about them so and which is odd because I I one of the quotes I came across about this album came from from one of your favorites another band we could buckle in with this strange group uh Primus yeah where Les Claypool says the album that we're talking about today the mollusk is a tongue-in-cheek gem it is to art rock what the Hudsucker proxy is to Capra film, uh, which I just think what uh, a great less. what a great quote. Um, and again, I think that embracing of that kind of weird big music. So it's a, this is a multi-genre concept yep. album, uh, dark nautical themes. Um, there's sort of some prog rock stuff and some psychedelic stuff. They were obviously huge fans of Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd show up in some of their videos and stuff like that. But also sea shanties. Like there's yeah. a weird uh, connection there. Um, Dean Ween has described the album as the only record that I ever felt confident about and my favorite record we've ever done. And Gene Ween has also said the mollusk is probably my favorite at the end of the day. Um, yeah, so I will say really I will say intriguing. that yeah, I will say that comes through too. There is a prof- 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 I'm going to say professionalism. There like things sound there's a nice polishness to it. It doesn't mm-hmm. sound like two goofballs getting stoned and recording this stuff in their bedroom. Which push the little daisies did. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, that's it. Like and I'm yeah. like this is ridiculous. Right. You know, but listening to this now and I'm like, "Huh, now I wish I had gotten into this mm-hmm. years ago." You're a little ahead of the curve then. Because it's, to me, this is a music lover's dream album. Every song, you've got a country song. You've got a sea shanty. You've got a techno hardcore track yeah. like on speed. And then back to a country song. And then another sea shanty. And it's it's all over the place. But it's like every song is could be from another album. Yeah, by another artist. Yeah, like it's, it's like a, a mixtape. It's, yeah, to me, it's, it's like a strange mixtape. It's like a mixtape you would give someone to say, here, I did you a favor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're not going to know any of these artists. Uh, <laughs> embrace them. It really it does come across as that. I think you're quite right. And I get completely why every cool musician who was better than I was yeah. was into Ween. Like, I, I get it. Like, I get it now. Listening to this must have been like, yeah, I don't want to play your stupid show because... I'm too busy getting stoned and listening to Ween <laughs> and trying to appreciate like what's going on here. And it is an intriguing record from that standpoint to think, I think it's a bit of a music, like you said, a, a music lover or musicians album, right? Uh, I think everyone like pushed, loved pushed the little daisies because that was the quirky 
track and yeah was, so you again we're going even, back to even your before, yeah right? even your non-music yeah. lovers would love that but this by the time they get to this album the mollusk they're they're a more polished they're band. polished band they've they've been touring they know each other that much better and yeah i'd say this yeah this is a, two, two good friends too yes. making music together right and i think that that comes across as well um the there is some connections here. The SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, one of the songs on this becomes part of the SpongeBob SquarePants show. Uh, sorry, the end credits to the movie. Um, the uh, the cover is done by Strom uh, Storm Thorgensen, mm. who did the Pink Floyd yes. album covers. Yes, which is a, like imagine <laughs> your idols just yeah, sure, I'll do an album for this band from from the states yeah. like who are making this weird album who like, is not just, pink floyd <laughs> yeah who is not pink floyd at all right um but uh yeah so let's uh, let's take a listen to uh to to one of the tracks off of this album right now that was a dreadful segue my apologies there we go why don't right. we just listen to a track there we go Toronto's Kiwi Jr. create inspiring and glorious jangly slacker pop inspired by 90s indie pop. On August 12th, they'll release their third album, Chopper, produced by Dan Bachner of The Wolf Parade, The Handsome Furs, on the famed Sub Pop label. We are pleased to have Jeremy Gadet with us today on The Sound Effect. Hey, guys. Hey, Hello. sort of. Hey, I was watching the NHL draft, and I, I literally <laughs> did not see what time it was, and I, I saw your email. <laughs> That is the most Canadian answer for yes, being late to an interview yes. ever, right? <laughs> it's draft night. Yes, it's draft night. <laughs> Can I just say first off, uh, just listening to the record over the last couple of days, uh, super excited, man. It's it's a great record. Yeah. Uh, oh, thanks for saying so. 
Yeah, it sounds terrific. So really excited about uh, about you being back. And I know you're playing Dave's uh, town of Ottawa in just a few weeks. So that's great. With Weird Nightmare, too, which is so cool. Weird Nightmare and Nora Kelly on um, 23rd, yeah. And yeah. I think the 22nd, the night before, we're in Montreal as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so I, I think we're probably going to start, though. I wanted to talk about, um, just to begin with, uh, your your new record uh, set to be released August twelfth uh, on the legendary Sub Pop label. Um, and yeah, tell us about the new record. What's it What's it feel like? What should people expect? We did it almost a year ago now. In the summer of last year, we had these uh, recording dates booked. We were supposed to go in actually July first weekend to record the third Kiwi Junior record, and we totally weren't ready. Like at all. I think I had like six demos done and probably like five ideas and we had no arrangements or parts or anything. But we just kind of shrugged our shoulders and said, yeah, let's just try to make a record in the studio. And then somebody stole our dates in like a really great uh, coincidence. (laughs) And uh, the next time we could go back into the studio was like in September of last year. So that bought us about two months, two and a half months. And um, we had 10 pretty good demos. Um, We had asked Dan Beckner from Wolf Parade and various other projects to produce the record. Uh, He's been really kind to us over the years. Like early on when we just put up our demos on the internet, we sent them to him and, and he was so, you know, nice to us and, and sent us such a positive reaction that it really inspired us. And we wanted to work with him for a while now. And this time it actually worked out. He was going to, we actually asked him to produce our first record and he was going to, but the scheduling didn't work out. Um, so it was great to have Dan on board for this one. And, um, and yeah, it's a little bit different sounding of a record. We're working in a studio we've never worked in before and it's all new people, obviously Dan producing it. He lends a certain um, kind of like uh, he brings a sort of like a kind of a '80s synth vibe to some of the songs, um, and that's what we were kind of looking for—is someone to just like push us in a different direction. Well, I was going to um, say just just from listening to it, you get a sense of like um, like I was hearing a bit of like the squeeze in there with some of the some of the organ runs and and keyboard runs, like. Was that a conscious effort to, or was that Dan bringing that production in and bringing that 80s vibe to it? It's both. So I knew Dan was going to produce the record when I wrote the songs. And I wrote all the songs on keyboard, I think, for the most part. And that was just because it's easier to record a demo when you're just playing a Casio and you can just record into your laptop <laughs> EI as opposed to kind of like miking a guitar amp or it's just easier for the demo to come across, right? When everything's um, keyboard or drum machine synth and stuff without bringing on an analog instrument. So it's just kind of, you know, if I had an idea at night, it was easier to demo on a keyboard, not making any noise. But we did also want to switch things up a bit sound-wise. So it was kind of both Dan and just the natural approach to, um, to putting the songs together that it happened to take. I was telling somebody the other day, it's like, 
you can have like as many ideas as you want about what your record's going to sound like or what you want your record to sound like. I mean, and just because of the way uh, things shake out, whether it's because it's easier to record on a keyboard or, you know, some certain patch doesn't work or whatever. Um, those ideas sometimes end up only being like 40%, 30% of what's actually on the record, just because of you have to make decisions at every juncture in the studio because you don't have that much time and things like that. So it was a little bit of us planning to go in a different direction, but also just, you know, being in the studio and somebody plays something and we say, that sounds cool. Let's do that again. Let's get it down. You know, things like that. Well, that's cool that you're given that freedom too in the studio. A lot of bands don't have time to do that anymore. You got it. You got Well, we didn't have any time at all. Okay. I didn't want to give the wrong impression. Like we had a week to make this record. Essentially. We had a week. uh, We had like a week of studio time and then we had uh, 10 mixing days. Wow. Okay. That, yeah, like, that's we tight. Took, we, we took it to like the, the deadline, I think was, we wanted it to be turned in by November. And then with scheduling and stuff, our last mixing day ended up being like November 4th or something. And it was like, we listened back to it in mixing and, and just said, I don't know. I like it. Let's, let's, let's turn it in. <laughs> uh, it, it, we really, you know, there's a lot of administration that happens with deadlines and schedules and things like that. It's not just, a case of, you know, putting things together over the course of a few years and really letting things gestate. It was, it's, you gotta, you gotta use your muscles to get it done this time. How does, how does someone like Dan work under that kind of timeline? You know, are you, and are you looking for Dan, the producer, Dan, the guy from Wolf Parade, Dan, the guy from Operators, or all three to come in and like guide you in that tight timeline? More just like Dan, the cool guy who knows a lot, a lot of things about a lot of different things. Like, um, you know, he wants to know what we're going for with a certain track. You know, so if I say like, I was kind of thinking of the guitar tone from this specific wire song when I was making the demo. Dan's like, oh, well, they used to use these pedals. They don't make them anymore, but I have one. I'm going to bring it to the studio. Like, he's... (laughs) Perfect. He's really, he's really, really um, done his homework on a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, different subjects. That's it's awesome. funny how many producers are just complete gearheads, yeah. right? Like they have every single little, you know, down to the, you know, bass, bass string types and everything, right? They know exactly what sound comes from every piece of equipment, right? And I'm the opposite. Like I don't know anything about that stuff, really. <laughs> Isn't the key uh, Casio is the same as a, a Rose, right? They're, they're one and the same, right? There. <laughs> yeah, we actually ended up using my Casio at home because when I was doing a demo, like I have two Casio keyboards I just found on the street and demoed with them. And then when we got into the studio, it was kind of assumed that we would try to recreate the sounds. Um, but we were just looking around at all of this gear being like, I don't know really what I'm doing here. And yeah, Dan was just like, just use your Casio. Like, who cares? It's, you don't have to use something expensive. No one's going to know that you used a, a found keyboard. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter.
things for for us when we were, we were just chatting before you got on here about your sound really kind of incorporates this like 90s early 2000 really kind of indie rock sound uh that's really kind of like you know D- dave mentioned tokyo police club and i was thinking like uh like your 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 delivery to me always kind of reminds me of pavement and then you go and pick an album that i think for both of us kind of came from from left field, which is awesome. Um, where does uh, this strange piece of art, Weens the Mollusk, come into Kiwi Jr.? <laughs> okay, so most of the music I listen, like I haven't listened to Pavement since college, right? right. Which is like 15 oh, years. Like, that's I, what like you're I don't supposed, listen to that stuff. That's what you're supposed to listen to in college, isn't it? Pavement, <laughs> right. only Pavement, right? Yeah, and like I put in, I did my shift with that stuff, but like, you know, whoever people want to compare us to, that's as, you know, when, when I'm 33, like I'm not really listening to that stuff. 
I'm listening. I think okay. So my Spotify. This is where Ween comes in. My Spotify year-end wrap-up last year. Ween was number one. Um, I think the Rolling Stones were number two. Gordon Lightfoot was number three. <laughs> like that's a healthy mix. Just, yeah, I think the Tragically Hip were in the top five too. It's like it's just stuff I want to listen to. I remember at a certain age, like in my late twenties, I did an English degree and then I did a library science degree. So like I used to read a lot of books and you, you always want to, I don't know. I feel like in your twenties, you're kind of like, I should read this John Dos Pesos book because everyone says it's so That's good. Right. <laughs> and I just remember like putting that, all that stuff down at one point, just being like, I'm only going to read murder mystery and spy novels from now on. Cause that's just what I enjoy doing. And I'm sort of like with that, with music where, yeah, I'm going to listen to the Tragically Hip when I'm at work, you know, and on the bus. I'm not really going to be searching for that um, rare comp or whatever people are after. But even like even that description, though, has got me even asking more. Like you've said, the Tragically Hip, Gordon Lightfoot, the Rolling Stones, and again ween <laughs> like where does how what is it about ween sound that that jeremy goes yeah that's that's what i like mm-hmm. i'm not like i've the reason i picked the ween record is because i was just trying to think of like what i did listen to a lot over the past year mm-hmm. and that's not even my favorite ween record i don't think it's just kind of the i basically listened to this one playlist this one ween playlist i made and there was probably more songs from the Mollusk on the playlist than any other record, so I said that one. Um, but like, I listen to a lot of like bands that um, I'm more of a lyrics guy, and I listen to a lot of songwriters whose lyrics make me laugh. Insert like a lot of dark humor. Like, I'm a huge Warren Zevon fan. Um, a couple of years ago, like right before recording our last record, I was listening to They Might Be Giants like all day, every day. And somehow I avoided Ween for a really long time. And then somebody sent me a couple songs and I was like, oh, I could probably get into this. And then I had to like navigate my way through this insane catalog to try to pick the type of songs that I like. So I'm more, I like late period Ween, like the newer stuff. I'm not really into like the noisy lo fi early stuff. Um, and I don't know, like, if, if you know, if, if I put the mollusk on and I skip the first song, it's just like a great indie rock song that's going to, you know, the, the song the mollusk track to. Well, it sounds like, to me, the mollusk sounds like a music nerds, uh, like, mixed playlist. Just, it's got, like, a country song. A, a pub song, you know, a drinking song, a rock song, a techno song, like everything, it, it, every song is different. You wouldn't, if you told me like, oh, listen to this song, listen to this song, I would never say that they're from the same band on the same album. No, and Gene is using like weird voice effects and like pitching his voice down and and up and like singing with weird voices in like different characters and stuff. Yeah, it's weird. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It's weird. Everything sort of has a through line, though. The more you get to know the record, um, there is this nautical, weird, 
uh, journey that you're kind of taken on. And like, I don't smoke pot or do drugs at all, but it's sort of, I could imagine somebody, you know, who's into that stuff really going on a trip with a record like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it, it is a straight, like, you know, talking there about the nineties. I mean, it, it's interesting to think about this band, you know, with, like you said, that lo-fi beginning, actually having kind of a hit in those early days and then being like a bankable band where they were able to go and make this record. And I was saying the day before you joined us that like, I I can't imagine a, a and Electra's not a massive label, but they were a big enough label. I just can't imagine a record label now saying, go ahead, go out and make an album that just completely is all over the place. And like you said, uses pitching on voices and yeah, yeah, just go and do it. Just seems like such a strange, strange album for a record company to quote unquote get behind. I mean, I'm sure they weren't putting the money behind it that they were putting behind some artists, but uh, still just shocking that a record company would would kind of embrace such a strange record. I think there was a lot of money going around at that time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, bands used to get huge, huge advances, right? Like, Ween was on MTV. Bands yeah. who were on MTV got big advances, as far as I know. Yeah. It, I think it's just a different time. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. As a lyricist, is because uh, there's some spots on this record, like, uh, I'll be your Johnny in the spot, sonically, I love, like, the, the guitar and that. And then I was like, oh, let's go look at the lyrics. And you're like, yeah, there's not a whole, like, this isn't going to win any lyrical awards or anything like that, but it's just a really fun song. What lyrics speak to you with the record? Is it is it the whole kind of narrative that he's, he's playing with here, or what what is it about those lyrics? Because, again, I think it, with a strange band like this, you're going to get pulled in by the sonic elements, mm. and then you're probably going to go, wait a second, you know, maybe after listening to it for a few weeks, okay, i got to go and listen to the lyrics or read the lyrics of this. No. So for me, like, it's impossible to separate the singer from the, you know, from the song. From when you're writing the song, like, it's your right. own, it's, 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 it's your art, right? Right. And so with a band like Ween, you got these two weirdos who are friends in high school. And the more you listen to them and you just, you know that it's just these two guys doing all this insane stuff. And you hear them write you know, going back to the record before, a song like um, like what Diener was talking about off of Chocolate and Cheese, just like a beautiful, really kind of like sad um, pop rock song. You'd be like, oh, I want to know more of, you know, what these guys are going to do next. And I want to know where they're coming from. And you kind of just keep exploring, like, you know, like Bob Dylan can put out the, a Christmas album, and I'm still curious to listen to it because I, I, it's 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 just going to be interesting. So, like with Ween, yeah, I I have this, you know, the songs that I like and and the lyrics that I like, and they're truly bizarre. But I I, I know what you're saying like I do want to hear the weird stuff too, like, um. Waving my dick in the wind, like even that that song. There's a line. So verse two, 
I'm lost in the sauce once again. If I make it through the night, everything will be all right. But I'm lost in the sauce once again, which is like funny. Lost in the sauce. By the way, I think Ween popularized that phrase, lost in, lost the, sauce. in the sauce. <laughs> we can come back to that, though. But just <laughs> there's a humor to it. But also, like, the guy who, you know, Gene's seeing that, he's had very public struggles with addiction. Yeah. And even though it's a funny, quick throwaway line, there's an impact to that for me as a fan that like it hits me you know that's that dark humor you're talking about right like where yeah we're gonna laugh at this problem that i that i'm dealing with and that i'm kind of wrestling with right and we're gonna kind of tongue-in-cheek have a giggle about it uh there's that dark humor that you're that you're saying talks to you with those lyrics right yeah totally and like zivon did a ton of stuff like that and there's all sorts of guys who are like who do things like that. Well, stand-up okay, comedians, so some... stand comedians, that's their thing, too. It's like their own personal pain is just to laugh at it. Yeah, it's interesting. There's Sorry, another song was... I was I was just going to say. There's a song, Chocolate Town, that does the same thing, where it's like, I heard, I was like, Ween has a song called Chocolate Town. You know it's going to be about, like, <laughs> yeah. shit or something, right? Like, um, And then you, it's like you hear it and it's this kind of country pop song and it's got this real melancholy vibe to it. And I was like, wow, this song is beautiful. And then I read, I did some digging online and read that that's when Gene, you know, family basically forced him to go back to rehab. It was in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And so the line, but had to get a Greyhound bus to Chocolate Town. It's funny when you hear it, but then when you... But when you know that it's a sad song because he's literally going to, to Hershey, Pennsylvania, which he's calling Chocolate, Chocolate Town. Town. Oh, yeah. So it's just like, I don't know. There's funny stuff like that with well, this band that I like. And I'm not it, even like a massive Ween. Like, I love Ween. Like I said, they were my most listened to band. But, like, there are Ween fans out there. Maybe. Oh, yeah. And they might hear this and be like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, that's okay. I mean, that's... but. You bring up a really interesting point that I, I read where they talked about that that same idea that they're, people will look at the, the, the songs on the back. And I think it was Dean who said, uh, people are going to see uh, Waving My Dick in the Wind and just go, bah, and just turn that record over without kind of knowing that there's a, a deeper level to what they're trying to bring across here. But they're doing it with that sort of tongue kind of firmly in place, right? And I think about, like, you know, the, the Flaming Lips did the, a similar thing, right? Beck did a similar thing. Uh, that uh, Butthole Surfer certainly did a similar thing. Like, that idea of being able to kind of uh, put out serious music and put out music that is good. Like, I mean, these guys are good musicians, and there's no getting around that. And also at the same time, just be able to laugh at themselves a little bit is um, it, it, it's intriguing because you know one of the things I think the rock and roll industry has a problem with sometimes is taking itself way too seriously, and we are never ever going to be guilty of that. Like they they seem to have their tongue firmly in cheek while also dealing with, like you said, some serious issues at times. Well, I like. I wouldn't even classify Ween as tongue in cheek. Like some of this stuff is full on uh, made to annoy you yeah. and to be aggravating and to For push sure. boundaries. Like there's almost like, if you listen to some early Ween stuff, like there's moments where they're approaching like two live crew levels of 
um, you know, of uh, warranting parental advisory stickers <laughs> and things, and like fully antagonizing their fan base. Oh yeah. Um, well, you so, even said how you skip on dancing in the show. Uh, I don't. Well, okay, okay. Let's get back to the record for a sec because what I will that's say a, that's a really intriguing first song for a record. So I'm curious. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, but I was thinking about doing this podcast like last week or something. Whenever we figured out what time we were doing it, I was like, God, how am I going to talk about Ween for however long this goes on for? <laughs> and uh, I was thinking, do you know what I think the most beautiful part of the record is? It's the silence between track one and track two <laughs> where you you just got sort of taken for a ride with I'm Dancing in the Show tonight. <laughs> and then it ends. And then when you know the record, there's like three. It's almost it feels like an eternity, but there's almost like I feel like three or four seconds of, of space between the tracks before the song The Mollusk kicks in. And it's got that real melancholy guitar. And it's like, I don't want to speculate here, but, or give them, you know, too much credit. But there is a real, um, for me, there's like a period of growth between track one and track two that they're trying to represent. I'm not kidding. I think that like, because they got somebody's kid to sing on track one. They're like, a lot of those vocals are, are a four-year-old or something I read. And then the track two opens up with "Hey little boy, what you got?" And it's kind of like this. This, you can see the arc that they're maybe trying to craft with the record. And and there's, I don't know. There, there's they're sort of singing about life in ways that I think is hard to articulate, other than just putting on the record and listening to it. That's a, yeah. an awesome take, I think. Yeah. And, and now I want to go back. Okay, now with fresh ears, again, I'm going to listen to those first two songs. So somebody was saying like, um, I don't know, I think it was Anthony Bourdain or some somebody was saying in some video I watched, like, they never understood really, really spicy food until they got to a certain country or something. And somebody explained it to them that, you know, it's tension and release. And that's like, all all pleasure in life or something is tension and then release, right? You don't go from um, whatever your base level is to 10. You have to really feel pleasure or something like this. This is this sounding like I'm going to go to some kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, where, but I'm not going there. Though. But I was just going to say like, um, having that real difficult first song on a record and then a little bit of silence and then you get the beautiful title track. There's something like that with um, that tension and release, like, um, like eating something really, really spicy, and then when it when it kind of goes away, you can really kind of be like, "Wow, that was awesome." I I, I don't know. I don't even like spicy food, by the way. But. <laughs> <laughs> I I know when I first listened to the record, knowing we were listening to it, I I'd never listened to the Mollusk, and I we when you picked it, I, I listened to the first song, put it on, uh, hit play, pull it out of the parking lot at work, and was like. Oh boy! What in God's name am I listening to here? <laughs> and then I kind of passed it over, went to the next uh, next song, listened to the rest of the album, and then it's funny with every listen, I like the lead off track more and more. And I'm like, and the last time through, I went, I think I might want to hear that again. And I thought, <laughs> why am I doing that? Like, I couldn't believe how much I was actually enjoying that song 
because and I don't know if I'm like uh, if I was making too much of it and like but just it's got some really intriguing lyrics too for a first song on a track where it's sort of saying like welcome to the show like I'm we're here to entertain you uh and that's what we're going to do for the next hour on this record there's a total show tune element to the whole record oh, yeah. I think for sure like I like you go back to and and start thinking about like classic songwriters, like people who are writing for Broadway or, or you know, writing mm-hmm. songs that are in musicals and stuff. There's a total, um, you know, like capital S songwriter vibe to this record, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like I like what you're saying there. It is a, it is very dramatic. <laughs> well, dramatic uh, way to intro like a, a record. Catchy way, right? Like I, I was thinking it was almost like if you're going to the movies to see a piece of art, but before the movie, you remember seeing the let's all go to the lobby. Like it was like that introduction to the rest of the album. Like, cause like you said, it doesn't fit with the rest of the record. It's kind of off on its own, but it, I don't know. I thought it was like, it, really it's totally cool. an intro and you yeah. can kind of, um, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but you can kind of, you know, if you listen to that record and, you know, you really listen to it and, and close your eyes. I bet you could imagine it being like a Broadway show or something with yeah. like different set pieces, like pirates are coming on yeah. stage. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, there's, there's lots of things leads, like that. Yeah. And it, it's like I said, it's like, that's another way of saying what I said earlier. Like this is a music geeks, you know, mixtape basically. Yeah. This is also, yeah, it could be a Broadway play where every song doesn't have to be this operatic and it doesn't have to sound the same. It can be totally different. And it's got that freedom to be able to do that. Is uh... Well, and it's got like like highbrow and lowbrow. Like, I, I hmm. mean, when I was looking over the lyrics for The Mollusk, and it's like, there's a reference to St. Augustine in like The Mollusk. And you're like, <laughs> what? Like the Holy Trinity is being referenced in this song. And then... You get to like polka dot tail, which is just sounds like a weird Ringo Starr outtake. Like it's a, it's such a strange, odd song. And again, I I love the fact that you go from these like high falluting ideas to, you know, I'll be your Johnny on the spot, just kind of repeating itself over and over again. Yeah, and I think it almost reminds me of Guided by Voices in a way, where you have songs like hot freaks where it's just like you know he's singing a, like bob pollard freak i find sings about like kings and like gestures and stuff like that all the time <laughs> and uh and it's 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 similar with ween where on this record there's just like everything is about whales and you know it's all this whole nautically themed record and you don't really know what it adds up to in the end but for me, I'm still buying it. Like I can, I can see it. You know, it's like almost like a big painting, and I look and I can see how it all fits together. I probably can't explain it to somebody. Well, you're but almost when I get it, it I get be, it. You almost think it should be like a concept record, but there's no real strong concept or story. But there's like this loosely tied nautical theme kind of going through it, right? Which is. I kept wondering, like, were the Decemberists big fans of this? Because they love their whole nautical uh, sound. Like, I was like, 
yeah, was Colin a huge Colin Malloy a big fan of Ween? But there's because there's elements of that, like in something like you know Blarney Stone or something like that, right? So, um, that I think, yeah, in, intriguing as well. Now, for f- something like this, and to kind of tie it with Kiwi Junior, is there anything in here that you're like, oh, I wish we could do that? Or this is what I'm trying to do here? Or is it just like, no, I just like this album. <laughs> and it doesn't have any effect on what I write or what I do. It's tough to say. Like, influences for me, I, I will never sit down and say, like, I want to write a song that sounds like this band or that sounds like this song. At least not on this record. Maybe I've admitted to that in the past, but I don't really think that way. Um, I think that your influences should be unconscious, right? Like that's to me what influence is, is if you're you're in that environment, then you go on and do your own thing somewhere else. You take a piece of that with you. So if I was listening to a ton of this record and Ween, I'm sure it influenced the record the new Kiwi record, I mean, in certain ways, but there's nothing I can point to. It, it was never really a, a thing like, I love Dean's guitar tone on this one song. I want to try to replicate that. Um, and I mean that in terms of songwriting mostly, but because um, we definitely do sometimes say, I want a guitar to sound like this. So, like I was saying with Wire, for instance. Um, but in terms of like writing the songs and stuff, I don't. I don't think I ever uh, like to be really conscious of uh, any influences that are um, right there. But I will say one thing. Um, there was a day, I think the last or maybe second last mixing day um, of the new Kiwi Junior record. I was we were mixing it like on the other side of town and normally um somebody would pick me up alex the engineer would pick me up and drive me there which was fantastic <laughs> but on this day i had to work or something so i was coming in late and so i took like the hour and 10 minute streetcar ride or whatever it was and i was listening to Ween, and i remember getting to the studio and really thinking okay we should turn the vocals up on every song on our record because I was thinking if I couldn't really hear the vocals on some of these Ween songs and I wasn't able to make out every single word I don't know that I would be listening to it right now if I you know I think for me that's kind of the the hook uh to be to being a Ween fan is that you you have to know what they're singing about and you know even if it's ludicrous and like it's waving my dick in the wind or whatever that's the hook is that is that you're hearing these two guys uh, say these words for me. So I really was influenced by Ween, I guess, directly. And then I, we got there and I, I said to both Dan and Alex, who are also Ween fans, by the way, and we talked about Ween a bunch uh, <laughs> during mixing, not in like direct ways, but our record, but I did say, uh, we're just listening to Ween. I think we should turn up all the vocals. <laughs> and everyone was like, hell yeah, let's do it. And it, it's funny. You, you, like, I do notice that in, in the 
the the vocals your vocals cut through very well yeah I think they might be too loud <laughs> looking back, but in the moment, in the moment, because right. I it felt right. Gene Ween is a great singer, and in the moment, I was like, I was just like, yeah, I, I shouldn't be afraid to put my vocals out front and center, but I'm a little bit on the fence now. I feel I like that's turn them down a little bit. But, I feel yeah. like that's the friendly PI guy coming out in you, who's like, no, no, my vocals are too loud. Because aren't most singers supposed to go, no, the vocals have to be louder? Like, <laughs> isn't that the big argument? The vocalists are supposed to like throw tantrums and say, come on, vocals louder, higher in the mix. I don't listen. I don't even tell people I'm the singer in the band. Whenever we meet, <laughs> if we're like checking into a hotel or or doing something like that. Somebody always asks, or like go, getting on an airplane with a guitar. <laughs> Someone's always like, so what do you do in the band? And I always just say, I play guitar. I don't want <laughs> to be the singer. That's not a very lead singer thing to do, Yeah. by the way. Kind of owe that. No, no. I see. No, but it, it is interesting you, you bring that up, though. Like, and and I, thinking back on listening to the Mollusk, yeah, the, the vocals are very clear. They're... They're right there above the mix, but they don't overpower. Like the mixing on that album is brilliant, I find, mm -hmm. with all that's going on and to have those lyrics, yeah, right there that you get them. I'm not, I'm the kind of guy that listens to the music and the sonic qualities of an album, and the lyrics will get me 10, 20 listens later. Uh, you know, I was catching stuff right away on this one. When you talk about yeah. that production on Cold Blows the Wind, that little electric guitar uh, chunk that's kind of going along with the acoustic guitar for the whole song. And then you get that beautiful, like, kind of like moogie, moogie keyboard sound that comes in later. That's a, just a beautifully produced with lots of space. Um, and that guitar, that electric guitar is just a little higher in the mix, too. I, I agree with Dave. I think it's a really well mixed record. Yeah, and I think there was, I don't, I don't want to embarrass myself as, you know, a, a, a C-grade Wheaton fan here, but I think, <laughs> if I remember correctly, um, they had, like, the, the same guy who used to be in the band and play in the band recorded and mixed a lot of the stuff, and right before this record, they fired him, and then they Ouch. had to, and it, and it added really, it, um, it ended badly, and I think they had to go back to him to save this record because they couldn't get the sound they wanted. And I believe um, he agreed, but you know he was still pissed off. But he put his heart and soul into kind of adding a lot of keyboard flourishes and and really saving the record. And and he doesn't have a massive uh, production. Uh, you know, list. Like when I went and looked him up, it, I was kind of surprised that, uh, yeah, Andrew Weiss, he didn't produce a whole lot of stuff. Like he generally is Ween's producer and there's a couple of other acts, but <clears throat> it's not like he's a, you know, cornerstone producer who's, you know, constantly busy. It was, it's kind of weird because, again, I think it's a really well produced record. Yeah, I don't like, I, yeah, I, I don't know the story behind the record well enough yeah. to go on tape but i think that i think that's what happened they fired him and they brought him back and he he saved it um but yeah i think he was like their their mentor kind of guy for a long time yeah i think i read that read something similar for sure okay uh tough question time then what's your favorite song on the album uh or maybe not that tough who knows 
It's always that tough. It's sort of weird because I, I don't want to, um, I mean, I'm going to answer, but <laughs> just know that whatever you answer, okay, I'm going to say, um, answer going to be mad. Yeah. I'm going to say, uh, it's going to be all right. Oh, that's a good oh. one. That's a good choice. Yeah. And I heard, I heard that that's about, I read this, uh, really great story sometime on the internet, uh, that, I think it was in like stereo stereo gum did like a, some kind of oral history or track by track. Maybe you guys found it before this podcast. I think I read it a couple weeks ago um, where Dean walks you through every song. It was, it was really great. Um, but he said the story with this song was that uh, Gene just got out of a really long relationship and was really bummed out. And I think they went to Atlantic city and said, let's put something crazy like, a thousand dollars or or something on a roulette wheel and if they won they would go out to the steakhouse and buy everything on the menu and if they lost they would just go home or something and uh that was his attempt to like cheer him up and they ended up winning and i think they went wild at, at this restaurant they said um and it just like that hearing that story kind of cemented this song um in my mind as just like ween's friendship between Dean and Gene is just like such, you know, the cornerstone of the band. And I can't think of too many other groups where there's just two guys and the, the way they play off each other and the way they come together and stuff, um, re, you know, is really the, the thing uh, that separates them from other groups that, you know, came out around the same time.
who have had like two personalities and they usually end up splitting after a while right and you know we've talked on the show before about couples who are in a band and then that that ends right so i mean i, I have a friend who once said if you want to kill a friendship there's no quicker way than joining a band together uh <laughs> and i just think like this yeah like the fact that these two have been friends for years and and even the story about how they, they became friends and and decided they were going to become friends by meeting in like a typing class and like they both thought they just were completely like one thought the other was a loser and one was just a jock and they ended up finding out they both loved like Pink Floyd and a bunch <laughs> of other music together and they start a band and become like these just great yeah I agree with you I think there's a, like a friendship there that really kind of comes across in in what they're doing and uh, yeah so I, I agree with you I think it's a yeah I think about bands that have siblings you know as the leads like oasis you can't listen to oasis and not just think like okay noel's writing the songs liam's singing them they're great and then liam starts writing songs noel wants to sing more songs and there's just this whole you know drama and right it's, it's just so inter the narrative is so intertwined with you know the experience of listening to that band and uh i, I yeah it's the same thing with ween for me where it's like i listen to it and i'm I just like I can't help but thinking about these two weirdos who found each other <laughs> making this weird music. That was a perfect way to end it on the friendship. Yeah, thing, I think that I was think. a perfect way to end it. That yeah. was great. I, I can't wait to yeah. edit that. <laughs> I was yeah, I was nervous. I because like I I like Ween, but there's Ween fans out there, man. Like I was oh, saying. Oh yeah. And oh, I, <laughs> hopefully they don't come after me because I well, just I like the I like the band a lot, but I you know. <laughs> well, just stay off Reddit. <laughs> Just stay off Reddit and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to me, it was just an album that I had I, heard about Ween kind of when they started, like the first album. And so to have someone say, oh, you should check this album out. That's why I, I, Tom and I do this. It's, it's worth it for me to sit down and yeah. just drive around and like, and this is a fucking awesome album. I love it. Yeah. You know what? If you, yeah, I almost picked the next record, um, White Pepper. Um, I probably like more songs on that record, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not as interesting to talk about. It's just mainly a straight up indie rock record, hi-fi indie rock record. So. Right. 
All right. So and, check that uh, one out if you've not heard it. I will. Well, and this yeah. was actually almost our second Ween record because our, oh, one yeah. of our guests last year uh, almost picked Quebec, but uh, that's uh, a good one decided, too. But decided against it. What would the what the tree phones go with? Anyhow, uh, the real statics. Um, real statics. Oh yeah, yeah, Martin Cielli. That's right. Oh, yeah. So, um, well, yeah. I think you're actually. Yeah, I should. I think the, I'm going to get dragged online. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I think I, I looked it up real quick. I was right. White pepper comes after the mollusk. I said yeah, next record, go. white pepper, and then you said Quebec, and I got scared. Oh no, no, no! It was definitely not Quebec. You're right. It was definitely white pepper. Isn't Google, um, isn't Google great? Yeah, Google's great <laughs> for that, right? I just said something. I better make sure that's true. Um, <laughs> it, it does seem strange though. We didn't talk about the album cover. Um, uh, yeah, the the designer who did the Dark Side of the Moon. Uh, did yeah. The cover. Pretty, yeah. That's pretty, pretty iconic. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the cover works great for yeah. the record, right? Like, it's kind of messed up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like up. sort of gross. But <laughs> but it's also like a, this beautiful, I don't know whether it's a painting or an actual sculpture that he made or something. It, but It's just like the... Collage, the, maybe? Yeah, like the tenacity to be able to say... We're Ween. We have not had a top 40 hit since Pushing Up the Daisies, which I think made it to like 35. Uh, and yet, we want you to go and, um, you know, get one of the, you know, get one of the, the biggest, uh, Storm Thorgensen, one of the greatest graphic designers in record industry history to do our cover. Like, it's just like, and by the way, we want to make a massive album and scope. Like, it's just, there's like a tenacity here that uh, is just really kind of cool. But I just, I don't know how often you get now uh, in the music industry. There's just, uh, for them to do it, I could just, again, I come back to my first statement. I can't imagine what the record company must have been thinking <laughs> with these guys going, okay, sure, let's go and do this. I think he lo- he loved the record, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, and that's even just, yeah, that just, yeah, let's just go and get it. Let's just go see what happens. There's like no, you know, uh, there's just no, they're fearless, right? They're just fearless in their sound, what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish. Let's just go and do it. And and who cares? And it could blow up in our face and whatever. Uh, and that's just, it's really kind of inspiring. On that note, I will point out that while I was Googling Ween in the middle of this um interview uh it's the 25th anniversary of this record it was like two weeks ago or something. oh wow that's oh, awesome look at us there we go so we to- we what totally knew that yeah, yeah totally, there we go, hey? totally knew that well i'll edit that so it sounds like that came at the start <laughs> there we go awesome thanks again jeremy really appreciate it good luck with the thanks album. guys really great to meet both of you
So, Dave, what did you what what did you think of this eclectic record? Like I said, this is a music lover's dream. This is for those crate divers in the record stores looking for those two dollar Loretta Lynn albums, <laughs> right? And, yep. then, and then on their way out, ooh, Metallica, or ooh, Cannibal Corpse, you know that sort of thing. And it's it's for it's for them, but there's it's more accessible than that. Yeah, I, I think so. Than I, I think than so. I think than I think uh, I think your average listener, and I say that with the utmost respect to people who aren't hardcore music fans. You know, there's a, there's something here for everyone that I think you, even if you weren't in a ween or Beck or anything like that, or uh, you would you could listen to this and go, oh, that's a nice song. Oh, that's a yeah. fun song. That's a weird song. You're gonna find something you like yeah, on this record, like they, right? And it just pisses me off that they get away with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, ah, oh, why can't every band do this? Why can't? Yeah, just challenge. Why? It, right? Why can't? Just like, no, we're not gonna write. A song that has this cohesive, or a bunch of songs that has this cohesiveness. That yeah, this is all from the same album. No, all these songs could be like from twelve Ween albums. Yeah. You know, like oh, this is our country album. This is our sea shanty album. But no, uh, let's put it all on one album. Yeah, let's. I, it's one we've said this before on the show. I, I would love to have been in the room and sat around the record execs hearing like. Um, you know, dancing in the show tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Just going, what in God's name have we got here? <laughs> um, but you know what? I, I was intrigued as I was listening to this record. I stumbled across an article in Stereo Gum where it said, uh, Dear, Drew Fortune, a uh, great writer of Stereo Gum, wrote, when MTV was making stars of Third Eye Blind and Sugar <laughs> Ray, bands like the Butthole Surfers, the Flaming Lips, and Ween, once embraced for their weirdness and raw eccentricities, were cast aside as a bad acid hangover from the early 90s. But what's shocking to me is, as much as they were, those bands continue to make albums that we care about way more than Sugar Third Ray Eye. Third Eye Blind. and Third Eye Blind, right? And what's really cool even to think about even more is that the bands that we're talking about here weren't signed to your buddy's label running out of no. a basement. I mean, King Missile are signed to Atlantic. This, this band's signed to Atlantic, the biggest record yeah. company at the time Red in Zeppelin's the world. Label. <laughs> yeah, uh, every soul band's label, and they release Detachable Penis as a single. <laughs> and then you have the Butthole Surfers on Capitol. Um, you have Flaming Lips on Warner. And then you have Ween on Electra, which isn't a small label in itself of itself. Like these were big labels who were saying, We just we need a weird band. We need to have a weird band. Like you said, like a Beck on our label. That that we need that drug and fueled band. But those drug and fueled bands, every band I named there, maybe other with the exception of King Missile, mm. could still tour and could still draw. Like because they're still because they were musicians still, yeah, they might have been, I don't know if they were stoners or not. I don't, the music they were making was different and it was fun and it was enjoyable. And I'll throw Primus into that mix yeah. too. And they didn't care and, if it caught, if it was a hit. Right. Absolutely. You know I mean? So it was, it was real and yeah, it was like, 
you you listen to third eye i, m- I remember the first time hearing like and an endless episodes about third eye blind but that line there by that uh from stereogram i still remember the first time hearing that first third eye blind single and thinking this just sounds so manufactured. Yeah, it was the beginning you of know, the it, end, right? Yeah, it really was. It was like the writings on the wall, that alternative music, as it was called, is dead. And this is now just corporate pop rock, right? And yet this, no one gives a crap about Third Eye Blind. But what they do care about are these bands like who said, you know what, we're still going to do our thing. And if we get kicked off of Electra or <laughs> Warner, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, we just made a pile of money and we had fun over the last couple of years and had tours paid for and we're okay. We're, we'll be fine. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. And it talks about an era in music that I wish the majors would think about again. Like, I, you know, I know there are labels out there doing strange and wonderful stuff, and I congratulate them on doing that. Well done. Keep it up. Um, but I wish the I wish sometimes that the majors would give weird bands a try again, would let them, hey, go ahead, make a weird album. We're behind it yeah. and see what it would do. I, I don't think that day is ever going to come again, but I think almost this this album acts like a. A historical document it's a time, time capsule. when, when yeah. record companies did that. And yeah, and let them have several albums. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, Push the Little Daisies did well. Let's give you a couple more. See what you can yeah. do. Let's do, do a country record next, which is what they like. I mean, they did that before this record, right? Like, just that's fun. And good, like, on, yeah, and good on Ween for never feeling that pressure to, like, oh, well, we better have a bigger hit this time. Yeah. No, it's just like they showed up. Here's the album we recorded. Sorry. That's right. Sorry. There's a weird animal in the front that's a bunch of you know nautical animals morphed yeah. together. Yes. Yeah, deal with it. Yes, that's a sh- it's a sea shanty. It's a <laughs> that's right. shanty. That no, shanty. 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 That's right. That's right. It's a sea shanty. Yeah, we don't know who the Decemberists are yet. And <laughs> yes, that is I'm dancing in the show tonight. Yes, we are keeping that as the lead yeah, off. Yeah, that'll single. be the lead off. <laughs> no, we want it as the lead off. <laughs> no, no, that's not. No, it wasn't meant to be on the cutting room floor. Um, and that's just, yeah, it, it just should. Like, these are the types of records, though, I, I listen to. And I think this comes out in, you know, 1997. And it's going to be only a few years later, like within a decade, where Wilco's Yankee Fo- Hotel Foxtrot is considered too weird too you too weird to be <laughs> released like, what will will not too weird? Yeah, will not release but it this came out in 2000 like it just i don't know it, it's a, it's a little upsetting to me no one because like, i listened n- to it no one ever accused record labels of being ahead of the curve or even knowing what they're doing uh, that's right that's right and that's that to me is a sad thing because I, I really so so those because i know we have tons of people from Warner and Capital and Atlantic who listen to this yes, podcast. Tons. So you're listening right now, and I'm telling you, get some weird acts. Go get some it's weird acts it. and embrace those weird acts and let them do their thing because you're going to get albums like this, which I'm not always going to be listening to, but I'm going to come back every time and go, man, this was a fun record every time I do listen. Yeah, I think, uh, like I said before, that I wish I'd gotten into it when it came out. And uh, it's even so when we found out we were doing this, I listened to it for days right? and then put it away for a while and then just broke it out today on the drive home or to and from work. And it feels like there's something new. You're like, oh, I missed that the first time. Oh, yeah, for or, sure. Or, you know, there's oh, that's that's cool. That, yep. You know, I, I get that a little more now. 
it could be one of those albums that just just gets better with age and you appreciate it more with each listen. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think it is going to be one of those records that does come back like that. And it's an album I don't feel I need to constantly listen to, but I'm going to appreciate every single time I come back. Yep. Um, what was your favorite song? Huh. There's a sweet spot there on the album. I'm going to say everything from Polka Dot Tail to It's Going to Be All Right. Like that section right. was my favorite section. But every even Cold Wind, Cold Blows the Wind was really good. Yeah. Like, yeah. But uh, to me, it, it seems like the uh, I'll Be Your Johnny on the Spot would be an easy one for me just because it's a little. High, high energy, high kinetic. That's a fun one. That's it's like really, really fun and it just, just the, the like, it's this, you know, you expect it to be like a little more of a screamer and the guy's like, I'll be your Johnny on the spot. Yeah. It's a buzzfeed. <laughs> it did remind me of Primus to be perfectly honest. Oh yeah. The Primus feel and the, the lit and the vocal. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to, I'll say I'll be your Johnny on the spot, but also polka dot. I'd probably say polka dot tail. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. The, mu- the mollusk itself, the title track too. I just, I just love the way they, they're kind of crooning that, and there is a slight English accent that comes out now and then in the lyrics, and I'm like, <laughs> you guys aren't English. <laughs> I, um, I, I agree with you on Johnny on the spot. That was absolutely one. Yeah, sure. Um, but I actually, I had a soft summit for the Barney Stone. I really kind of enjoyed the sea shanty. I, the uh, F-bombs I the lyrics, were, were a little weird. I thought the lyrics were hilarious. I, I thought the playing was great, too. And I, I actually think it's always fun when a writer takes on the persona of, you know, a tree or something else. I just got, I had a real good kick out of that song. I thought it was really enjoyable. I kind of thought, to. I'm like, I wasn't sure how you'd take to that. I'm like, I bet I she, it. I bet she likes it. Cause it's a, the, the shanty, the drinking bar drinking song, <laughs> yep. but there's a lot of F bombs and not some like kind of women's stuff in there. And I was <laughs> yeah. just like, eh. yeah. And again, I think it's a product of its time, right? For sure. So, uh, and I think I said this in the interview too. I really, I, I had a sauce. Line. I know I've joked about it here, but every single time I've listened to the album, I swear I like I'm dancing in the show tonight more and more. Every single time, it's such an yeah. odd song. But an just odd like, intro. It's such an odd intro, and I just I found myself the last two or three times listening to the record, listening to it again, and I'm like, why am I listening to this again? Uh, but it is such a fun little ditty. Straight. 
you know what? I think it shows that you've got some. <laughs> You're gonna have some guts to go. Yeah. Yep, that's our leadoff single. We're sticking with that. That's our hell's bells. <laughs> you know, that's that's where we're beginning things. Yeah. So, and so definitely give it a list. I mean, it's such a fun. Oh, and it's again, it's it's my sweet spot of 45 minutes. Even though there's 14 songs on this thing, 14 40, songs. That's right. 40, 45 minutes, which you know, in '97, everyone was going to an hour at yep. least. Well, because CDs, right? Yeah, yeah. Was, like you, you were. It was it, to me. It was well, and then CDs been out for a while, so, and everybody was hitting an hour. These guys just like no, we got 45 minutes, and to me, that's I've said it before. That's your perfect anywhere between 30 and 45 minutes yep. is yep. the perfect length because it's by the time you get to the end, you're like. Let's play that again. Yeah, yeah. You know, anything over an hour, you're almost exhausted. And I would say for people, because this is such a weird record, don't just listen to it once. No. Like, don't listen once and go, that was a weird experience, and turn it off. Listen again, because you're going to find some stuff that you were like, okay, that was actually kind of fun. That was kind of funny. If you're a musician, listen to the instrumentation going on here. I think there's a lot more going on. And, the, and you know, it made me want to dig more into to Ween and some of their other stuff to see what else have I missed yeah. because this is a fun record. Yeah, I think that's the benefit of why we do this. Again, shows us what we were missed. Absolutely. Uh, what, why we were so pig-headed and what our decisions of music listening were at the time in 97. Yep. Like, 97, I can't even remember what I was listening to. I think I was just kind of in a loop at that point. Well, and I think uh, I think our guest talked about that today. Like it, it was a time for me where I was just like the nineties. Um, well, I think we've talked about this with other interviews too. The early nineties is over. We're now in this ending of the nineties where everything just kind of sounds a little derivative. Yeah, and that's where I wish I maybe would have went back and went, "Oh, this isn't derivative." Let's give it now. At the same time, this was around the time OK Computer came out, and I'd almost sure. say like. God, I wish I'd been into this album as much as I was into OK Computer at the time. Like they, they would have just complemented each other as a we'll music. Talk about a diff- we'll talk about a difference in the fact that one has a, such a serious tone oh. to it. And this one just has no I don't think there's any seriousness to American it. American versus British, right? Yeah, true enough, true enough. There's a core there's a real sense of humor on this record, which you know, it's it's not a comedy record. It's not like you're listening to Weird Al Yankovic, but it is a. a there's some humor. It could there's be a humor. precursor to Flight of the Concords, though, <laughs> right? Like there's you know, some of, some of their yeah. crooning, you can almost see Brett and Jermaine just kind of like dancing along in one of their videos. <laughs> Mutilated lips. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone, and thanks for listening to our show this week. Um, and a particular thanks to uh, Jeremy Gadet from Kiwi Jr. Remember to go out and buy their new album, Chopper, which should be available at your local record store now. And uh, get out and support them uh, if and when they get back on the road. Thanks to Wadi for letting us use his song, In My Heart, as our theme song this week. And I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please let us know what you thought of it. And make sure you share on social media with some music fans that you were uh, learned about this album, The Mollusk, this week. And remember, there's always a great record out there just waiting to be discovered. So, keep listening.
on the track.